This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right. We're back on the Chase Thomas podcast. It's been a week. I am about recovered from a terrible throat thing. It. Uh, I can go ahead and confirm that an abscess on your tonsil is not an enjoyable thing, especially when it's there for like multiple days and it uh, turns into a whole infection thing. And uh, during your Thanksgiving holiday week, it's not the best thing. Uh, I'm here to tell you that... I'm glad that it's over, that I can podcast again, and that my voice is back to knock on wood. I actually am on wood right now to 100%. So to get back in the groove with everything in uh, the NBA, it's my man, Yovan Bua, VSPN. Yovan, good morning. You're on the West Coast recording this East Coast afternoon, West Coast early morning. I think that's how that works. Yeah, man. <laughs> um, oh, glad to hear you feeling better. Uh, and, uh, yeah, this is, this is very early for me, but, um, uh, being a trooper and, uh, fighting through it. So, uh, let's, let's do it. Are you a coffee drinker? We've never had this conversation. Uh, uh yeah, I'm a big coffee drinker. I have not had coffee yet this morning though, Ooh. um, but that's fine. So I, this could be a really weird podcast. No, ca- it could, no it could be yet. <laughs> 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 Who knows what we'll you're going to say at this point. All right, man. Well, yeah, uh, I can go ahead and tell you that I would not wish a uh, abscess on a tonsil on my worst enemy. I, I would not do it. It's, <laughs> you don't realize how much you swallow until uh, you actually can no longer do it for multiple days. It's it's a very frustrating <laughs> thing. It's a very gross, frustrating thing. And I'm not going to, like, 30,000 billion people um, suffer from way worse, but... Uh, I will just go ahead and say without going into gross detail and two minutes in this podcast, not uh, sending everyone away just from our sickness talk, but uh, yeah, it's it's not great and I'm glad it's over and I'm glad I can uh, no longer deal with that. So, um, you know what, man, this is, this is going to be my attempt at a transition as I shake the rest off. The Los Angeles Clippers might be transitioning from an old era to a team that you're very familiar with that they're 7-11 right now. The should they trade DeAndre trade conversations are starting to pop up a lot more now. Patrick Beverly is now out for the season. They are on their third string point guard at this point. Uh, Lou Williams is basically like their de facto point guard. His usage percentage, I think, is like second on the team right now behind Blake. And it turns out that's kind of a bad thing in the Western Conference. And uh, Blake's no longer shooting 40 plus percent from three. And it just. It seems like everything that we were worried about the Clippers going into this year are coming true. Gallinari is going to miss a month uh, early on in the season. Tia Dosic can't stay on the floor with that terrible plantar fasciitis. It's just, it's a bummer, man. I, I don't, I, I, it sucks because the Clippers started off really fun. And as you and I um, pushed this whole Blake thing, it, it just, I think it's, it's fair to say we should go ahead and uh, call it on the Clippers hitting the over at this point or are you not there yet mm, well they're over was i think 43 and a half yeah it was like whole games over 400 i mean 500 yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't remember um yeah i would say uh, yeah i mean i i'm not gonna sit here and, and say they're gonna get 44 45 wins like i i think at this point i i would say it's still possible but i i wouldn't give it more than like maybe like a 20% chance. Um, I mean, obviously there are already four games under 500, um, you know, almost a quarter way through the season. So 
you know, they'd have to play, you know, probably almost 47, 48, uh, you know, win basketball the, the rest of the way. So I don't really see that happening. I mean, we still don't know when Gallo is going to be back and then kind of how long it's going to take him to get adjusted. Like that, that was one of the things I thought people weren't talking about enough is just how bad he really looked like. I mean, obviously right before he got injured, there was some talk about it, but uh, I just thought, you know, Gallo has not looked good this season. And, and he, you know, I, I think he's kind of masked that with, with a couple of good shooting games, but overall just the, the lift and, and explosion and athleticism has not been there this season. Not that he was ever the most athletic guy, um, but, you know, just watching him on drives and attacking the rim, like, you know, he, he was not getting to the free throw line as much as, as usual and just cannot finish as well as, as you know, I've, I've seen him finish before. So I think that that's another big factor. We don't know when Milos is coming back. Like, you know, I think that's it's still probably going to be a while, you know, so he's going to be missing at least like half the season. Um, and, uh, you know, I think the the frustrating thing is, like you said, we, we saw the first, I mean, it was only four games, but we saw the potential of this team, right? And it was kind of this this new identity without Chris Paul, and then Blake Griffin was was the superstar and, and the go-to player. They're running things through him, but it was also kind of an offense by committee, moving the ball, um, you know, shooting a lot of threes, just just getting up and down in transition, like. And then you know, when healthy, this roster can do that, and they have those pieces. Um, and, you know, they still have, uh, you know, at the time, Pat Beverly and, and DJ kind of spearheading that, that defense. So on paper, you, you kind of look at it and you're like that, you know, that I think we kind of agreed, like that was probably a playoff team if, if relatively healthy, but, you know, they're down three of their opening night starters, uh, who just also so happened to be probably their three best shooters and, and, and two of their three or four best passers, like. You know, I don't think this team had, you know, has the depth to really withstand that. So uh, at this point, like, you know, it's, it, I think it would have been one thing if it was like Pat Beverly and, and Wes Johnson or, you know, Pat Beverly and, and, you know, Sam Decker or something. But for it to be Gallo also, Teodosic also, like, I just don't think they have the depth um, in, in the creativity and shooting and ball handling offensively to kind of replace that. So, you're putting a huge burden on Blake. If you, if you watch games, like defenses are just, you know, they're already going to eye in on Blake just because of, of how much better he is than the rest of the team offensively. Uh, but, but now it's just, you know, if you're a defense, all you have to do is really focus on Blake and Lou Williams and, you know, sure. Wes Johnson, take 10 threes a game, whatever, like <laughs> you're not going to beat us. Sure. Austin do your thing. Like you're not going to beat us. So uh, I, I just think they're, they're really shorthanded right now. Um, and so, so it's, it's understandable why they're struggling, right? Like if you told, if you told me this was the roster heading into the season, I don't even think I'd pick them to win 30 games. Um, you know, the, the, the healthy roster right now. So, uh, I think it makes sense. It's just a kind of a, a, it's a battle of attrition right now. Like who's going to cut, you know, how one is Gallo coming back? One is Teodosic coming back, you know, can the team stay afloat while those guys are, are, are still out as of right now. It looks like no, but you know, we'll, we'll see. I think the schedule is going to lighten up a little bit. Um, and then there's also the whole, you know, like we're going to talk about, like there's the, do they trade Deandre, you know, can they stay afloat to, to prevent a Deandre trade? Can they stay afloat to prevent doc rivers getting fired? I don't know right now. I, I think, you know, the way things are trending, it looks like both of those are becoming more and more likely every day. So, uh, We'll, we'll see how it plays out, but but like you said, I, I you know pretty comfortably take the under right now, and it, it's looking like this team is you know with, with each passing day is is less likely to make the playoffs. Well, especially when you look at the like the Western Conference standings now, it's really kind of just gotten and gotten itself in order a little bit where it looks right. Early in the season, a couple weeks ago, the standings were still kind of out of whack and certain teams were way too high and certain teams were too low. And, you know, like the Rockets, Warriors, Spurs, Wolves, Blazers, and I would probably still throw the Nuggets in there just seem 
all like locks at this point to make the playoffs, even without Millsap for several months, which really sucks because the Nuggets were playing really good basketball before he went down. But Jokic is good enough, and the rest of that team is good enough and deep enough to survive and make the playoffs. But then you look at the Pelicans, who are just going to hang around, I think, just because AD and Boogie are so good that it just seems like they can power them to like 500 basketball in the West as long as both of them are healthy. And it just leaves one spot. And that one spot, like the Thunder, are we really going to believe that the Thunder or the Grizzlies are uh, not going to figure it out at some point? I think Grizzlies, who we'll be talking about in a little bit, but the Thunder are three games under 500 right now. The Lakers, another team you're very familiar with, three games under 500. You never know there, I guess. But the Jazz... Uh, they can't score, but they play really good defense and Donovan Mitchell's fun. But I just, I don't know, even if the Clippers get Gallo back in a month and Teodosic back in January or whenever, I just, I don't know if that's enough. Like, I don't think there's really much room for them to squeeze into that eight spot. And even if you get to that point, is it really worth keeping DeAndre past the deadline just to get blown out by the Rockets of the Warriors in the first round. I just, I think at this point, the Clippers are suddenly in like this really peculiar situation because obviously you're not trading Blake or anything, but I do think the DeAndre question is going to get bigger and bigger and more difficult, but I don't think it's that difficult because guess what? DeAndre Jordan is, and he's qualifies for the 35% max category because he has 10 years of experience and that max contract, if he signs it after next summer with the Clippers, would be $205 million over five years, and he'd be making nearly $47 million when he turns 34. I don't want any of that if I'm the Clippers. And that's not to say that DeAndre Jordan's not a really good player, but I just... Do you, like, does that make sense for them to really double down on the DeAndre Blake uh era or do you just kind of trade deandre now see what happens see what the market looks like even though i don't think the market for deandre is going to be that great uh if you look around the rest what the rest of the league has at the five uh i just i don't know what you do but i do know if i'm the clippers i'm (laughs) i'm getting very serious about moving deandre jordan the next couple months yeah uh I've been slow to come around to that notion. Uh, but once I did see that 47 million at, at 34, I, I think that kind of swung me in, in the past few days. Um, I, I think interestingly enough, and you know, if we, if we start talking trades, I think this will be one that one team that comes up. Um, I, I feel like the Clippers are, are in a, a rich man's version Although, you know, both situations are expensive, but I think they're in a rich man's version of of almost the, the Cleveland front court mm. where you have this, this weird situation where like on paper uh, and, and maybe not so now that Jay Crowder's on the team, but you, you've had the issue with the Cavs the last couple of years where like on paper, Kevin Love and Tristan Thompson were, you know, two of their five best players, obviously. And, you know, yet you had this weird fit with them where it's like, you know, both are probably better as the lone big man on, on the court um, and, and kind of playing Kevin Love with Tristan Thompson sort of, you know, margin, marginalizes Kevin Love. He's not going to get the ball inside as much because Tristan Thompson obviously doesn't have range. And, you know, he's pretty much just, you know, a, a pick and roll big man, a rim runner. Uh, you know, an energy guy going to be grabbing offensive rebounds, but he's also going to be hanging around the the rim a lot in the short post. So, you know, Kevin Love is kind of marginalized offensively when you're playing with Tristan Thompson, just because the spacing is so bad um, that, you know, he he's kind of forced out into the corners. And then if you play him at the five offensively, take Tristan Thompson out. That's great. You know, the, the Cavs place, you know, that's what their, their four out shooters around LeBron, like, that's awesome. But then defensively, obviously Kevin Love is a liability. Can't really protect the rim. Can't really get out and pick and rolls. Uh, you know, teams are going to target him, expose him. Um, and, you know, on the off chance that a team has a really dominant big man, they're going to feed him in the post. You know, that's a problem. So the, the Cavs have always been in that weird dance where the, you know, they're playing offense, defense. Sometimes they're playing those two together. Sometimes they're playing one or the other. 
they're going Tristan Thompson. It's kind of like, well, what the hell? Kevin Love's the third member of the big three. You're going Kevin Love. Well, you need a rim protector. You need a rebounder. So I think the Clippers have, have been in a similar, you know, scenario with, 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 you know, again, more expensive guys. Like, obviously, DeAndre is better than Tristan Thompson. Blake currently is better than Kevin Love, maybe not a few years ago. But I think it, you've seen, like, Blake has been pushed out to the perimeter. He's had to become a three-point shooter. I think it's overall helped his, his you know, offensive skill set and just helped him become a, a more efficient offensive player to an extent. But, you know, I think a large part of that is just because DeAndre, again, is, is really just an energy guy, a pick-and-roll guy, a rim runner, that Blake had to learn how to shoot threes to fit with DeAndre. You know, if, if they had Brooke Lopez or Marcus Gasol or one of these three-point shooting big men, I think Blake would be playing inside a lot more. And then on, defensively, you have the same issue. You know, he's not as bad as Kevin Love. I think he, he is more mobile. He can defend pick and rolls a bit better. He can switch on to wings, but he's not a rim protector. He's not the, you know, he's actually an underrated low post defender, but I still think, you know, he can get into foul trouble at times. I just don't really trust him doing that. So I think the the Clippers, if if they're going to, you know, stick with, with putting a traditional center around Blake, which they might have to do, it might be better to go at, at just a cheaper option and, and kind of allocate those resources elsewhere because if you are committing to Blake DJ long term like that's kind of it with, with, with the money they already committed to Blake so you, you're kind of going to be saying like half of our cap is going to be going to these two guys when really they're not even the cleanest fit like defensively you want a good defensive center next to Blake but offensively it's it really you know it, it's a challenge to kind of figure out the spacing with those two it, it kind of marginalizes Blake and doesn't make him as effective as he can be so I think they need a shooter around him, ideally at that four or five spot. Uh, and, you know, I, I think they're going to have to figure that out. Like you said, I don't think they want to pay him $47 million at, at 34. Uh, you know, DeAndre has been an Ironman thus far in his career, but, you know, the one injury can change that. And, um, you know, we, we don't know how he's going to age once he loses the, his athleticism. I mean, I think he's kind of been compared to Tyson Chandler and, You've seen Chandler's actually probably aged better than, than a lot of people would, would predict, you know, just because he's so big and long um, and, and still relatively athletic. So I think that's kind of the blueprint for DeAndre. So if that's the case, then, you know, I think Tyson was like 32 or 33 uh, when the Mavs won their title. So, you know, that wouldn't be really out of that, you know, be close to where DeAndre would be uh, at the end of that deal. So, who knows? Maybe DeAndre is still very effective at that point, but I do think there is some major fit issues here with, with Blake and DJ overall, and I would not really feel comfortable about committing long-term to that being your top two. I think what you really want, and I, you did a very good job of masking this fact, is I think you want Tristan Thompson to be close to Khloe Kardashian. I think that's <laughs> all, that's actually what you're suggesting is making sure that that relationship doesn't have the kind of hurdles that comes with an NBA player living away from his girlfriend. Are they married or is it still girlfriend situation? Or is like, what is, what is the update there? I know you know exactly what's going on there with Tristan Thompson and Chloe. Uh, they're, they're still dating. There, there's okay. no, there's been no marriage, but I, there was like some pregnancy room. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. Uh, well, and, and the other thing is that, you know, Blake's dating Kendall now, so you would have... And then Chandler's dating the other one, right? Is he not? Or is that is that not Chandler Parsons? Is he not in... The, the, he's uh, Kylie. Kylie's dating uh, Travis Scott. Okay, interesting. Well, she's she's pregnant. That's another pregnancy thing. Uh, but but I'm sure, Dickens. I mean, I think, I think there was rumors of, of Kendall and Chandler Parsons in the past. Okay. Um, I thought he was connected to someone. Okay. So it's, uh, okay, well, there you go. So you get, you send Tristan to LA where he's probably been dying to play anyway for a while. And, uh, I mean, I guess, so here's a trade machine. That's actually one of the ones that I had, uh, put together, uh, when I was thinking about just Deandre trades is Deandre to Cleveland, but Austin rivers also get shipped out to Cleveland. And it gives him a better wing. It's time for, to break up the, the father-son relationship. It's time 
And you know what's weird about Austin Rivers is like I when I watch Clippers games, it seems like he's just so much better than the Austin Rivers from just a couple years ago. And I think he's actually played pretty well this year. But the numbers don't really bear that out. And he has one of the worst offensive and defensive ratings per 100 possessions on the team. I think it actually might be the worst of like their heavy rotation minute players. He has a 98 O rating and 110 D rating uh, when he's on the floor for the Clippers this year. So he's, uh, it, it, he's shooting the ball a lot better. He's like shooting almost 40% from three. And I think he's a good defender. And you watch him, and it, it works, and I get it, but it just doesn't seem like it is bearing that out in the numbers, and I just I don't really understand it. But send him to Cleveland. Maybe playing with LeBron will be nice, and I think they could use all the wing depth that they can get at this point, with especially with how Jay Crowder has played for them early on this year. So I think that would help. And then you send Iman Shumpert, who the Cavs have been trying to trade for 36 years, to L.A. Uh, and Channing Fry just for that last year of his contract. Do you do that if you're the Clippers? Interesting. So you you didn't go the Tristan Thompson route. Oh, no, Tristan Thompson's I, also I, there. I, he has to be there. The, sorry, I should point I out. Thinking, because it's like $33 million in salary going to Cleveland, just with those two guys alone. Okay, okay, okay. Because I was going to say, so my, my initial trade was DeAndre for Tristan Thompson and Channing Fry. Mm. Um, I mean, you, you could put... Iman or J.R. Smith in there, and I think in, instead of Fry, and I think the money still works. But I don't think you I want J.R. in L.A. at this point in his career. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And, and Channing's an expiring, so that actually I take that back. Sense. That there were, that would put us in situations with the Clippers this year. They're already probably if they make this whatever trade like this, if they trade DeAndre, they're going to be bad. There will be situations where J.R. and Lou Williams will share the backcourt in this scenario, <laughs> which is just the all-time best league pass alert because I am here for April, Lou Williams, and J.R. Smith playing their 24 minutes a game in the backcourt for the Clippers. Uh, I, am, I am here for that. So, yeah, I, I retract my earlier statement. Let's let's do that. <laughs> oh, my God, J.R. in L.A. <laughs> uh, and, qu- and quickly on the Austin thing, just to add some more context, I'll say – I haven't been the biggest fan of Austin <laughs> really, really for for a while and, and kind of at the end of last year for, for a lot of Clip, you know, Clipper fans and, and Clipper observers, it was the end of two years ago and in, in that, you know, really in that Portland series when, when Blake and Chris both went down and then, you know, Austin had you know a couple of big performances. He had the, the game in Portland where, you know, he, he got his eye busted up and, it was bleeding badly. His eye was closed shut, and he still played through it. That won a lot of a, a lot of Clipper fans over. He, he's had some big games against the Spurs in the playoffs. Uh, you know, that's won won some fans over. I think he, he's a really interesting player because, like you said, I think he he passes the eye test way more than than the statistical test. Like, yeah. you know, you 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 watch him play defense, and you're like, okay, like he's you know pretty solid defender. Like he, you know. Uh, Doc likes to put him on threes at times, which I think he's, he's unqualified to guard because he's like <laughs> yeah. six four, and, and he kind of has long arms. But you know, he's probably six four, like two oh five. Like I, I just, you know, he can't really check many. You know, he can't check KD or, or Kawhi or LeBron. Like it's just not, you know, he's just physically not able to. Um, but but you know, ones and twos, he, he can pretty much check almost any one, you know, one or two in the league reasonably well uh but but then you look at you look at the you know defensive plus minus and stuff like that like he just does not fare well statistically um i think with this season especially uh you know his influx in minutes came kind of with the injuries right you know because before beverly and teodosic were starting he he wasn't you know he was still in the rotation and, and you know probably the sixth man and the seventh man uh, depending, you know, him and Lou, but, you know, he wasn't playing as much. So I think he's obviously seen an uptick in minutes as the Clippers have been doing worse. And Doc has actually left him in the fourth quarter just because the Clippers have been sh- so shorthanded uh, that he's actually had to play a lot of, like, garbage time that, that I think has kind of inflated his numbers. So I think those are inflated a little bit. That said, you know, uh, 
I'm still not the biggest fan of him. I, I think he, his shot selection has improved, but it's still relatively questionable. Um, but that said, you know, I, I think it would make sense for them to move on from him. Uh, I think he could help Cleveland. With this trade, the most interesting thing to me would be you, the Cavs, throw in the Brooklyn pick. Um, no. You do not throw in the Brooklyn pick for DeAndre Jordan. No way. Exactly. So, yeah. so I, I guess, you know, because to me, I, I think it'd be interesting for both sides, right? Because to be honest, I, I, I think you can make a case for the Clippers. Like, why the hell do you do this? Like, you know, I mean, I understand moving on from DeAndre. Like, that, that to me makes sense, right? But, why, you know, why do you take on three years, 48 million of Tristan Thompson? Like, I don't really want to be paying Tristan Thompson, you know, over 16 million the next two years. Like, that is not very, in a very it's a high price for you know, a championship appealing. pedigree. High price for those for that finals ring. Yeah, but and then you know, like I guess he, <laughs> he is a cheaper version of DeAndre, but you know, only by what six, seven million. Like it's not. He's under I mean, contract, I think, for another year longer. So I guess you have him under team control for a little bit longer. And um, like you said, it's just nice if whatever they do with DeAndre, if they move him, that getting someone back that can fill in at the five, so that they can shield blake because he's played 98 percent of his minutes at the four i really don't think doc really ever wants to play blake significant minutes at the five and like you said earlier like i think a lot of it has to do with just shielding him from that kind of brutality and it's probably part like blake doesn't want to go against other fives for the majority of the game and also just like they want to keep him as healthy as possible um from a team standpoint and they just probably prefer keeping him at the four and just having traditional fives next to him. And I guess um, that makes it complicated as to what they can do with DeAndre because they ultimately, I would assume, would want someone back. But you know what? They have found one of the bright spots. Willie Reed is a really good backup five. I like him. And he's he's been good, I think, for them. So so what one trade, I think it... Well, okay, yeah. I, I agree with, with the Willie Reed... Um, and, and w- which actually I agree with so much that, that I partially think like they might have the confidence that he could just start. And, you know, like, I, I think if they move DeAndre, uh, I, I think they're, they're going to focus on a wing or a point guard, right? Like they, <laughs> they, they really, you know, they, they might not have a, a true point guard for another two months at least. Yeah. Uh, potentially. And, you know, Lou Williams and Austin Rivers, are are quality NBA players, but you would not put passing anywhere near like their top five skills. Um, you know, Lou, I think Lou Williams could, could pass better than, than probably most people think, but he just chooses not to. And, and then Austin has, has permanent tunnel vision. And, you know, anytime he's driving, he, he's not giving that ball up. But one, one trade I actually think is interesting that, I have not seen anywhere, so this could be a uh, you know breaking trade uh, trade machine news. All right, let's go. But I, I actually I actually stumbled upon it playing 2K franchise mode. <laughs> uh, Naturally, so, so you know it's definitely a realistic trade. Mm-hmm. But one one I think would be interesting would be actually a a hallway trade. And now I'm not sure what else you'd have to throw in to maybe make this this work. I don't know if if one for one would would kind of, but I think on paper that this might actually work. It, it'd be DeAndre for Brook Lopez, and I think that's interesting because you know on paper they're I would say rel you know both guys healthy they're relatively equal. I would still you know I. Would, I would personally take DeAndre over Brook just because of the defense and the rebounding. Uh, but, but you know, there could be made a case that Brook is so much better than him offensively that it kind of makes up for that. And, you know, Brook Brook's Brooke been good defensively, though. Brooke. Like, he's a really good Brooke, defender he, now. It, people don't well, give him credit for that because I think he actually, he might just be good as good of a defender now in L.A. than uh, as he is as an offensive player at this point. He's really good. Yeah, I mean, I would still say, like, I don't trust him. You know, you're, you're playing, oh, uh, and this is the, the go-to, like, you're playing the Warriors. Um, 
you know, I, I think that team runs him off the court. Uh, I think, I think he, Brooke is a very smart player. He's, you know, he's, he's freaking huge. Like the dude is, I mean, the Lopez twins that I think are, are honestly closer to seven, one or seven, two, uh, they have really long arms and they're, they're really, you know, he, he's a good shot blocker. He's a good rim protector. I don't trust him necessarily getting out on pick and rolls and, and in cases he has to switch. And I think that's where DeAndre is so unique that he's, he is one of the few big men in the league, um, you know, that can do that. Uh, obviously, you know, certain guys like Steph Curry, James Harden, it doesn't really matter. Those guys are going to do what they do, but you know, DeAndre can switch onto a lot of guards and, and, and hold his own to an extent. But so I, I, I guess I, I think on paper, this trade is interesting because, you know, Brooke goes to LA. You're not really losing much, if at all. You're gaining that floor spacer to put w- with Blake. And then Brooke is an expiring contract. So, you know, worst case scenario, he leaves and you have cap space, which was going to happen with DeAndre if he left. Best case scenario, you know, you re sign Brooke or, you, you know, you hopefully get him for under the max. And, and now you have someone who. I think makes a little more sense with Blake, you know, offensively. And then, you know, defensively, I think there, there's some issues there of, of mobility, but I, I think that's it's not the biggest deal. Uh, and then you definitely have the most fragile front court in the league. I was about Brooke. to ask you when, you, when this was going to come up, because building around Gallo, Brooke Lopez, and Blake Griffin is just the all-time heat check trust in your medical staff of just like we'll be fine let's yeah we'll let's invest in brooke lopez blake griffin and danilo gallinari in 2017 that uh that is ball well, so, so, and mean, jerry I, west I man you know we, you never know it, like jerry west might just say yeah let's do it let's go all in and i also like that you um are basically by doing this trade the Clippers are already a terrible defensive rebounding team, and just go ahead and add Brooke Lopez in the mix for their rebounding woes, and then it's just, I don't think the Clippers actually get another rebound this year. I, I think that's just the end of rebounding in Los Angeles, other than the 12 minutes that Willie Reed is on the court for them. I, I think that's I think it's good. I, I love the strategy. Uh, fragile, big men, and no rebounding. I think this will go well. <laughs> I think it's a, it's a proven championship foundation, but so, agree, so yeah. basically, I, I just think for, from the Clippers side, right? You're you you're moving on from the difficult decision of you know either letting you know because I think it's different letting DeAndre walk versus letting Brook Lopez walk. I think there's there's a difference there, right? Like Brook Lopez, I think pretty clearly you definitely don't want to pay him the max, and, and you know I, I think you know he has the injury history. He's already, you know, a little bit older. He's already not the most mobile guy, so he's only going to get, you know, less athletic as he ages. DeAndre, I, I, I think there's a there's a conversation to be had. I don't think it's as black and white as he's not a max guy. I, I, I think he, he's close to one. He's, he's a borderline max guy. I just don't know, again, if the fit long-term with him and Blake really makes him a max guy, right? Like, I think if they had kept Chris Paul I, instead of Blake, I would be – much more likely to to commit to DeAndre just because I think that's a more natural pairing him and Chris versus him and, and Blake. And for the Lakers side, I think you'd have to do a little bit wink wink under the table, which of course the Lakers have already gotten in trouble for that. So I think they'd have to be careful. But I think the the and and I, I forget if I'm pretty sure that you know, when, when teams are making trades like this, you're allowed to have that conversation. So, so maybe it would be wink, wink, but I think the the thing here would DeAndre would have to opt in for next year. Uh, so basically, you know, he would not be an expiring deal for the Lakers. They'd be getting him at least one more year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so, you know, with the goal being look like we don't know, you know, we're not guaranteed getting anyone in free agency. Right. Like the, the, you know, there is a realistic scenario where the Lakers strike out. They don't, you know, Paul George stays or he goes somewhere else. LeBron stays or he goes but they somewhere have to else. Feel, they have to be feeling pretty good about the Paul George stuff right now. The Lakers front office must just be ecstatic over this uh, first yeah, I mean, it's, game. It's, for going as, it's going as well as it, it, it could be, right? Like he's, uh, I think he's been there. In my opinion, he's clearly been their best player. 
yet he's also somehow been the most marginalized and almost, you know, kind of boxed into being the third option when it's like, you know, clearly he, he's their, their best or second best offensive player. And he's definitely their best. Well, I mean, him, you could make a case for him or Robertson, but like, you know, all, all the data suggests, you know, all their best lineups have Paul George on the floor. All their best defensive lineups have Paul George on the floor. I think he's their, you know, I think there's a strong case to be made. He's their best player. Oh, you don't have to sell uh, me on Paul George. I, I love Paul George, and I think he is just, he's one of those guys that if he was in the Spurs for the first eight years of his career, we would all be looking at him close to the way we were looking at Kawhi right now. I really believe that. I, I think that, that you know, I, I think, you know, I, I think there's a, he could be better than, like, I, I think we could be looking at him the way we look at Kevin Durant. Like, I, I think he he has a more natural skill set than, than Kawhi. I don't know if he's a shooter as KD. Like, I don't think he's as good of a natural shooter as yeah. Kevin. And, like, the thing with Kawhi is, like, Kawhi is such a good ball handler now that I don't know if Paul George would ever get to that point with just um, how good of a ball. But I do think he is just one of those guys that it's like, if he's on the right team coming into the league, I think it's just a different story for him. And I think, uh, I don't know, does not look good in OKC. And I'm, I'm not convinced that it gets better. And it's good news for the Lakers because the worse that gets, the better they feel about next summer because obviously they don't have their pick. Um, so I, I, I'm the last thing on DeAndre before we move on because I, I want to throw this out to you. And I think this is the, actually the solution. I'm really excited about this. All right. He can't be traded yet because he uh, uh, just the, until December for uh, the CBA related reasons. But um, I think a move with Dallas is the right thing. And I figured out he's finally gets to go back to the team that he was thinking about going to a couple of years ago. One of the best off seasons in NBA history. I'm, I keep partnering him with like Austin Rivers. I think I just want to really break up Austin Rivers and Doc Rivers. I think it's time to just separate them going forward. But either way, um, to save them both from themselves, Seth Curry, Wesley Matthews, and Nerlens Noel to the Clippers for DeAndre Jordan and Austin Rivers. Uh, well, I'm on. I'm on uh, Team Free Nerlens. So uh, you know, I, I think it's. A little bit ridiculous what's happening to him in Dallas. He's not. Uh, my, He's getting DMPs for my, people my, who are not paying attention to Dallas, which is understandable because they're terrible this year. But he is uh, on. He's on uh, Coach Carlisle's uh, shit list right now, and uh, he is not long for Dallas. I don't think. Yeah, no. I think he he's he's out of there via trade, or he's. I mean, he's definitely not residing. Uh, Serious question. Who do you think's more pissed off right now, Jaleel Okafor or Nerlens Noel? Jaleel. Okay. I think it's Noel. Um, because I I I could see Ner like I think they're I think they're in very similar scenarios in, in like cuz I I think Nerlens like Ner- I think Nerlens, like Nerlens, isn't as good as the ideal version we had projected for him heading into into the the league. Like, mm-hmm. I think it's clear. Like, I think Nerlens is, you know, he's proven he's a productive player. I think he's proven he's a rotation player and and borderline, if not, you know, just a legitimately like a starter. Uh, I, I do think though, like he. You know, and, and maybe he'll grow into it, but like, I think I think the idealized version of him was DeAndre Jordan, Tyson Chandler, and I don't think he's proven that he's really on that path. Like, I think he could get to maybe sixty, seventy percent of that, but like just good version, uh, of, of like or, peak or maybe a close version of like Clint Capella, because that's what I think he should be mirroring his game after. And I think if he was just like the rim runner, because it just seems like he's. He's so tall and thin and just he's a good rim runner. And I just I think if he had like Capella's just kind of soldier mentality of like, all I'm going to do is block shots, um, pr- uh, contest baskets at the rim and just run and catch lobs like Capella. I think he'd actually be a pretty valuable player. I don't know if he because I think Capella's going to get paid next summer. I think the Rockets are going to pay him a lot. Oh, yeah. and I, 
And that to. seems crazy to me that not because Capella's not good, but because like Capella, he's just following orders in Houston and it's going to pay off for him. And I wonder if Noel is looking at Capella like, okay, maybe the only way I can stick in this league at this point is to just kind of model my game after uh, him. Cause I think he has the athleticism and fitness to just kind of do the same sort of thing. And he just hasn't really done that. I think a lot of it too, is just like attitude, like Carla really just, that just stuff seems really bad. And I think he's pissed the front office and he had a really bad summer anyway with not getting paid again and just having to take, uh, uh, just no, he was a, cause he was an RFA this summer and no real offers coming his way and just going in the unrestricted free agency next summer. It's still looking pretty barren for him. And I don't think his stock has risen. And then jaws just wondering out loud, of whether or not it's good business the way this is playing out in philly and i don't know like i don't see a path where jaw is uh in the nba five years from now but i do see a path for noel and i guess that's kind of why i'm more on Noel's side of things of where like he he can play in this league for a long time if certain things just change little things jaw it's like a thousand things need to change yeah and then I, you know, it's it's funny you bring up Clint Capella because I feel like Clint Capella kind of is what Nerlens Noel was supposed to be, right? Like, yeah, I think Clint was another guy that was kind of compared to a poor man's DeAndre or or poor man's Tyson Chandler, and he's, you know, I think he he was what the, he was like the twenty fifth, twenty sixth pick. Like, I remember being very pissed off that the Clippers didn't draft him. He he was who I wanted them to take. I think that was the draft they took. Like either Reggie Bullock or CJ Wilcox, which obviously neither one of those <laughs> worked out over Capella. But um, yeah, like I, I think Capella it would be, you know, it, it's crazy, but like if, if Nerdlands could be even like 80% of Clint Capella, that's a pretty good, like Clint Capella is really good. Um, yeah. And I agree. He's, he's going to get paid next, you know, next summer. So uh, the, the thing with jaw is I think Nerdlands has gotten enough reps where I mean, and even so, he, he still has probably hasn't gotten as many reps as he should. But but I think Jaw, there's still like this: how good is he really? I think we know that you know he, he has his limitations defensively. But you know, this dude, you know, with, with the success that with the relative success Greg Monroe and Ennis Cantor have had in in you know relatively limited structured roles on certain teams. I think there's there's no reason Jaleel Okafor couldn't play, you know, the same role Ennis Cantor has played, the same role Greg Monroe has played. And if anything, I, I think he, you know, has more potential than either one of those guys. So, you know, again, you have to put him in a specific role with, with, with a specific team and specific personnel. And you have to factor in his defensive limitations and kind of where he needs the ball. But I do think there is some untapped unlocked potential for Jaleel. So I, I could see that kind of being frustrating where he has been productive in, in, in limited minutes. Or, But, you know, you kind of see the bigger picture and you're kind of like, well, you know, this guy is probably not a starter in this league, you know, or you have to have really specific guys around him. And, and even so, he's just, you know, he's probably, his future is like a 15 to 20 minute a game you know, uh, you know, per, guy coming off the bench and he's going to feast on second units and, and beat up, you know, small second units or, or kind of slower big men. And that's going to be kind of his thing. And, you know, that's kind of what Greg Monroe had been doing in Milwaukee. That's what Cantor has done with the Thunder and kind of with the Knicks. So I think that's really the template for Jaleel. But I think just because he, he's a bit younger and hasn't played as much as, as Nerlens that, there could be some frustration on just like, I want to show what I can do. But I do think Nerland, just to me, it doesn't make sense. Like, you know, I've heard immaturity issues with him. I've heard focus stuff, but the Mavericks desperately need a big man. You know, I get, Hey, don't they, disrespect they want like Salah Majiri like that, who has a 21.9 PER right now. So, so <laughs> no, he, he's solid, but I mean, <laughs> No, no, like he, he no, he's fine. a really good rim protector. Like if you look look at the rim protection numbers, he's a monster. I'm laughing, but, but he's actually okay for them. He's actually turned into like a solid backup five. Like he's actually okay. But to to, to me, to me, there, there's a little bit of Boban there. 
mm. where, you know, like Boban, Boban's numbers looked great with the Spurs, and it was He's like, you know. He's had a 34 he, PER for like five years in the NBA. You Boban's know, like numbers he, are not real. <laughs> it, it's like it's great when you're playing like, you know, five to eight minute stints, and then you're just putting, you know, you're super efficient in, in, in really small stints. But, I, I, you know, I just think to me it's it's a joke, Nerland's, you know, if you were like, you know, ranking the teams that Nerland's Noel should be playing on or, or having, you know, 20 to 25 minute role, like Dallas would be in the top five to seven. Yeah, like, I was a big proponent of this trade when they did it. It made a lot of sense. Like there was, I don't remember anyone out there like, oh, this is a bad idea for the Mavericks. What are they doing? No, it was like, oh, they found their new young Tyson Chandler. Like this is, this is a good, good move. Like I, it, there was nothing at the time that would have made you think, oh, this is probably going to end up into disaster and they're going to get nothing for him. They're not going to resign him. He, they're not going to match, have to match any major offer sheet because there's not going to be one that comes his way. And then he's going to be mad about that. And then Carlisle's just going to give him some DMPs and then he's going to go somewhere else and have to like revitalize his career because his stock has never been lower. But the good news for Okafor is he's going to be a Celtic in the next month and we'll be playing in the Eastern Conference Finals at, uh, for 12 minutes a game, um, just annoying Tristan Thompson to death. So that's I think Okafor will actually been, be in the playoffs this year while uh, Noel will not. So I guess that's one thing is it just seems like Okafor is inevitably going to be a Celtic. I feel like that's just been a thing for months now. He's going to – it just makes too much sense. It's like one of those last things that the Celtics are going to do as they stock up for the postseason is Jaleel Okafor because of just their limited depth at the five right now. So that's probably going to happen. Um, what do you make of uh, Marcus all who is very unhappy? One of the nicest guys in the NBA did not play at all in the fourth quarter last night. Um, it's uh, not going well. The Grizzlies have lost eight straight. So uh, quickly, what do you think of the Grizz? And like, we talked about Deandre trades a lot, but like, Gasol is a much better player. I think a lot of teams would much rather have Gasol versus DeAndre, but he's not shot as well this year. His load significantly higher. I think watching this Grizzlies team, it just Matt Moore got onto me. He, got, he was so when we were talking about the Grizzlies, I'm like they're not fun, and I still don't think they're fun. And James Ennis, whatever, fine. Tyreek Evans, I still like a lot, but when Conley went down, like this team has just fallen off a cliff, and Gasol cannot carry this team by himself anymore, and. I don't know. I don't know what you do for the Grizzlies because I think there's only like four teams that make sense to like trade him to. And it's not like there are a lot of teams that are just going to give up a lot for someone like Gasol at his age and his price. Like I think Conley's probably a much more valuable asset at this point, but I don't know what you do if you're Memphis. This is a really, really tough one because if you trade him, you have to go through a full rebuild and that's like, I think the second smallest market in the NBA right now behind new Orleans. And whew, I don't know. I don't know what you do there. Cause I think either way it gets really bad really quickly, but they're bad right now. And they have Gasol. They're like what? Seven and 12. And it just sucks. Like he, him not playing the fourth quarter all at all last night was, was not good. I think I saw that they wouldn't have done that to Mike Conley or something. He said something like that. What a weird situation. So I, I'm going to defend DeAndre from your slanderous remark right there. Um, <laughs> it's not slander. Uh, Are you going to – oh, okay. I'm ready so, for so this. Please the, go ahead and cape for DeAndre's let, let, actually let me, better let, than Mark. All right, I'm ready. Let, 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 me, give you, let me give you the argument. Um, All right. <laughs> so, so, so no, Marcus Sola is a better player. Uh, okay, you know, well, that's a good I, start. I think that's, that's, that's very clear. But I think the two the, the two things working against Marcus Sol, uh, in in relation to DeAndre, like let's say you know it comes out DeAndre and Marcus Sol are both on the trade market. Mm-hmm. I think a you know uh, age Marcus Sol so DeAndre is twenty nine Marcus Sol is thirty two going to be thirty three in January. So now you know he I, I think he's one of those guys where you know he's he's never been athletic and his game isn't you know obviously clearly isn't predicated on athleticism and, and using, I mean, he, he has quick feet, but really, you know, he's never been the most mobile athletic guy. So I think it's not as big of a deal for him. I think he should probably age fine, but I do think that's a, a concern. Uh, and then, and two would, would be the contract length, right? So 
which could work actually in, in either player's favor and, and against them, right? So DeAndre most likely is going to opt out after the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, he could get, you know, 30 plus million. So I don't think he's going to take his 24 million player option for next year. But, you know, if you want to take a flyer on a guy, you don't want to commit long term, which I think would be more the case for like Cleveland, where LeBron's potentially leaving. I think DeAndre makes more sense. Whereas Mark has two more years after this season. So you're going to be getting him in, in year but if you're LeBron and you get Marcus Gasol in there, I think that's a, even more of a reason of like, do I really want to leave this? I just got Marcus Gasol for a couple more years. I don't know. I feel like if you got him, if he, if you brought in Mark, I feel like LeBron's the type of guy who would be like, okay, I could do this for a couple more years now. Like having Marcus Gasol in there um, in his prime, I feel like would be huge, especially for that defense, which is just so bad. I, I don't know. I actually really like that. And Kevin Love and Marcus Gasol, I, I like the idea of the passing and just how just smart both those players are along with LeBron. I, I think that actually be a lot more fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it'd actually be really good. I mean, I'm still one of the people who think it's kind of ridiculous still that LeBron wants to go to the Western Conference at this point in his career. But, you know, uh, Marcus Gasol, I feel like, would be the type of guy that would swing the pendulum back towards LeBron staying if I'm Cleveland. But I don't know if Cleveland has the kind of pieces. Uh, you'd have to get the Brooklyn pick to get Gasol. And that might be the best yeah. thing for Memphis is if they can flip him for that pick. Because... If they can pull that off, then I think that's probably the best deal. But let me just say, as uh, I, I, my Toronto people, Blake Murphy and everybody, I think Toronto makes the most sense. I think they can give up the most pieces if you're not including the Brooklyn picks. And I think they have the most to offer where if you really wanted to go all in, and I think they still their window is still strong for the next three years, which was their plan this offseason, I think they're a really intriguing team. I don't think you can trade Gasol to another Western Conference team. I don't think that would work out well, and that would just be kind of sad. But you have DeRozan there. You have Valanchunas, who is still there. You have a bunch of good young guys. You have Onubi, uh, Norman Powell. You have Pacal, Pascal uh, Siakam. You have Lucas Nagoria. You have Jakob Pertl, Bruno Caboclo. Like, there's just so many guys on the Toronto's team where it's like this hodgepodge of pieces. It kind of reminds me of the Nuggets in the Eastern Conference version of that. But I think Gasol and Lowry would be really, really fun. Like, I don't know what Lowry, I guess DeRozan would also probably have to stay at this point in this deal. And if you do Lowry, DeRozan, Gasol, that 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 would be fun because they already play at a really slow pace anyway and they're passing a lot more this year they still go iso heavy in the fourth and they go back to their old ways but having us all in crunch time i think would be a huge thing for that raptors team and kind of helping shoulder the load for lowry and DeRozan, especially down the stretch and close games so i actually think the raptors make the most sense and i would really really like to see that I like that. So, so what what do you think the trade ends up being? Well, I mean, Valanciunas has to be in that. I think no matter yeah. what, Valanciunas, and that's that's a bad contract, but it's only for I think yeah, two that's where. Well, you can go pick. So, okay, but again, Gasol, I don't think his trade value is as high as we all might think. Like DeAndre and him, I just don't think they're going to command that much because of just the way the NBA has gone. And Gasol, I don't think he's going to get better next year. I don't think he's going to be a better player wherever he goes. Like, I think he's still going to be fine, but it, I, I don't know. Like what if all you can do is like Valanchunas, the Raptors first round pick next year, you get, uh, you probably have to have OG and Anubi who is really good for them. Uh, maybe Norman Powell and I guess Jakob Pertl or something. And I think you can get several quality young pieces. And the other thing is I think the Grizzlies need to replenish that roster anyway, because it's bad. Like Macklemore is terrible. <laughs> I th- they need to get younger anyway. So if you can get like a hodgepodge of pieces from the Raptors who they have so many talented young guys that they can afford to part with, that makes sense to me. I, I think that I- Masai Ujiri, I think has the pieces to kind of pull the trigger on something like this. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I hadn't been thinking about the Raptors, but I, I think you sold me on this. Like I have right now, Marcus Sol for Valanciunas, uh, OG and Anubi and Norman Powell. 
That's a good deal. uh, You know, so you could throw you could either throw in the pick or you could throw up uh, throw in Pirtle, and because I think there's still the Raptors are still taking on four more million, so you Mm -hmm. probably throw in another person. But I mean, maybe Bruno gets unlocked in Memphis. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I mean, just throw something like that. Yeah. uh, I think that that's definitely. I mean, again, I think the holdup here, the holdup w- with with any Raptors trade would probably just be Valanciunas. Like, yeah. I, I think he's a weird guy. Like, play, tell me you're you're getting playoff Valanciunas for for 82 games. <laughs> Set me up, but like regular season Valanciunas is it's very just very inconsistent, and, and you know just kind of a weird player uh, where you just never really know what you're getting night to night. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think, to, I mean, I think I love is, the five man unit. Like this would be super fascinating down the stretch in the playoffs. Like Lowry, DeRozan, Ibaka, CJ miles and Gasol is that is just going to be a pain. <laughs> like they're going to be very good defensively. And I think it, it's going to, that that's just a really, really tough out. And I think it makes them, uh, much more likely to go deeper in the playoffs than they've been in the last couple of years. Well, I, and I think you, you know, when you factor in the, the, I, I don't know if it's, it's like an adjustment statistically or whatever, but when you factor in like that, they're in the East, you know, you move any team to the East and, and I think they're, they're going to be, you know, a little bit better. Right. So like that team in, in the West might be a four or five seed, but in the East that very well could be the second best team. Um, you know, I think on, on paper, they could definitely challenge Boston and Cleveland. So, um, and then are better than, than the wizards. So, yeah, I, I mean, let, let's make it happen. I think that it's Soldier, very, all right, we're good. All right, we're good. Market, but, <laughs> Uh, yeah, you did go. not sell me on the DeAndre uh, actually being more valuable at the deadline than Gasol argument. You you weren't you didn't get me there. I you made some good points, but I'm I'm still not there. <laughs> well, we'll we'll see we'll see how this all plays out because I think this is very it's very realistic that both of these guys end up being moved or at least in in legitimate rumors. I, I'm not going to count the DeAndre stuff as legitimate rumors yet. Okay, I will say though. Gasol makes no sense in the Celtics. I, I just don't think with how well Horford's played, you can mess up that front court situation. I don't think Gasol and Horford can play together in crunch time in the playoffs. I think that would be really difficult to manage. And with Hayward there coming back next year and Tatum and Brown, I, I just don't think it would work. I, I don't like that fit. But it seemed like that was something that they were rumored. I think Chris Mannix threw that out this offseason. But I don't really like that one, and I don't think if you're Boston, you do that. I think you only mess with the Horford thing unless AD comes available. That's it. Like unless Anthony Davis is the one that comes available, you don't do that. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think, I, and I, I think, well, it's actually playing out where he he might not become available. But I, I was actually, I was thinking, you know, the Pelicans don't make the playoffs. Around, yeah, I think you know, they are now. I think line. they're in. Unless an injury. Barring injury, I think the Pelicans are in. As long as their big two stays healthy for the majority of the year, I think they're in. Yeah, no, and I, I think the Pel- the Pelicans are, are one of the funniest teams to watch in the NBA right now for me just because it is like a nightly exercise of like how good do DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis have to be to offset how bad the rest of their supporting cast is uh, <laughs> is dante cunningham like, still starting at the three i haven't watched a pelicans game in a couple weeks i don't i don't really enjoy it to be honest i i, I like watching demarcus cousins just decide to take over games when he wants to but outside of that rajon rondo and drew holiday backcourt is not exactly the most fun thing to do at night and to to watch on league pass yeah, no, the uh Dante's still starting with with Etwan Moore and I like Etwan Moore. Etwan Moore's actually he, he's been solid. But like yeah. again, you know, the way, the way I, I look at stuff when I when I'm looking at players is like I, I kind of look at the pecking order and where I think they should be. So like I like Etwan Moore, but I think ideally he's like an eighth man 
on on a really good contender, maybe yeah. seventh, but like, you know, he's not your starter playing, you know, thirty one minutes a night. Like that that Yeah, he's like Tyreek Evans bit. where he's just that good guy to have off the bench and one of the guys you can trust to always spark your team in some way or fashion uh when you need it it will barton's the same kind of guy like a lot of those dudes are super valuable as your seventh or eighth guy off the bench yeah so so i think with the pelicans like they they're missing that like third and fourth guy or that fourth and fifth guy if you want to say you know drew is is their third guy um and and I, i think you know having just adding two quality guys would, would obviously increase their depth and kind of move everyone probably into their more natural pecking order uh, on the roster. But that, that team is, is, is hilarious just because it, it is really like, you know, if they win, it's because Anthony Davis and, and DeMarcus Cousins were amazing. If they lose, those two are probably just good and that wasn't good enough. So I, I think it's a funny team to watch. Fair. All right, man. Well, I think they'll do it for today. We 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 exhausted our uh, DeAndre Jordan <laughs> and Marc Gasol uh, coverage, but uh, it's fun times. I'm glad that uh, I feel bad because Grizzly fans are awesome. I feel bad they're about to go through this, and obviously I'm a big Blake guy, and I don't like to see the Clippers go through this. But I think it, I think it's going to end up being probably the right thing to do for both these franchises as they kind of move away from Western conference contention back to rebuilding or reloading, depending on what either of them decide to do. But I think it's going to be an interesting next couple of months to monitor. So I think you're going to have fun. You're in the right spot for potential craziness uh, with the Lakers and the Clippers. Cause I think they're going to be very active in the coming months uh, in different facets, but all right, man. Okay. Well, uh, uh, before we get out of here, is there anything you need to update us all on uh, the ball family or uh, you're working on right now? Uh, well, ball updated in case people didn't see today, they're having a Cyber Monday sale where the Showtime ZO2s, which are the white, purple, and gold Laker colors or Laker home colors, um, are 40% off. So they are $297 instead of $495. What a deal. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. Much more. Be honest. Do you actually right? own a pair of those? I feel like you do. I do. I do not. Uh, oh, okay. I, th- that has not happened, and I happen to wear size fourteen. Mm-hmm. So according to their this is pricing, the second time you've humble bragged about your shoe size on this podcast. Just well, well, I, yeah. there, there, there's a <laughs> this one isn't as much of a humble brag because I must okay. say, the, the, according to their pricing, uh, size fourteen and above are an extra two hundred dollars what so yeah so my shoe you know would be 695 dollars not 495 dollars so uh i was oh already most likely never gonna buy a pair at 500 but at 700 i can you know safely rule out buying a pair how is he um, not send you any like free i'm surprised he didn't hook you up at all like that uh... well so there's a whole like they have to you know Basically, to produce the shoes, there's like these castings that they use to, to make the sole, uh, right? And mm-hmm. each one, I think, is like $10,000 or something. So, <laughs> you know, it's it's standard for, for shoe companies to do like 7 through 13 because those are mm-hmm. the most common sizes. But once you get to like 14 and above, you know, you're, you're spending 10000 on a machine that you're probably not making back $10,000 sales for a size 14 right like they're it's usually a pretty limited size and then 15 and, and so on is, is even more limited so i think it's, it's just typically not you know a wise investment for companies so i, I think that you know nike and adidas can do it because they have so much damn money but for a smaller company a lot of smaller companies only go up to size 13 so i think for them it, it's going to be such a cost to do a 14 or bigger that um you know, they're going to have to raise the price on that. Yeah. All right. Well, that, uh, I'm for all the people that are been dying to get the zo twos, uh, <laughs> you have to jump on that deal. $275 is, uh, it's a steal right now. It's a steal. Um, I also saw they were delivering. I think that was what I, something else I saw today is they're finally like delivering to people's homes or something. I don't, 
is that they, they shipped out Friday. They shipped out. They shipped yeah. out Friday. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. Well, there you have it. Um, all right, Yovan, I appreciate it. As always, this is always a lot of fun. Uh, we can find you on Twitter at Yovan Bua. And uh, once again, if you liked listening to Yovan and I, uh, go back and forth and him try to make the case that DeAndre Jordan has better trade value than Mark Gasol, then uh, leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, five stars. That would be great. And uh, check out ChaseOnsPodcast.com where I'm writing articles every day now. Um, so, yeah, go do all those great things. And uh, we'll be back with more podcasts this week. And that'll do it. All right. Thanks, guys. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.